If you're like me, you don't always have time to sit down and read news articles. And it would be great if someone could read it to you in like, you know, a natural human voice and not sound like a robot. Well, there's Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles from the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. So you don't have to sit there and scroll. You just get to listen and it's great as you drive down the road or you know, you're doing chores or whatnot. They also have podcasts as well. Explore trending podcasts from, well, over 40 countries. Guess what? Our podcast, The Better Utopia, it's on there too. Download and use Newsly for free now from the website www.newsly.me or go to the link in the description. If you use the promo code Utopia, U-T-0-P-1-A, you can get one month free premium. That's one month free. This is A Better Utopia, an audiobook podcast written and produced by Counter Culture Rebellion. Read by the author. Dedication. Part 2 is dedicated to the individual with the cast box handle, Nerf Herder. Creating and writing this podcast is something I'm very passionate about. Yet, nothing compares to the excitement of sharing something you enjoy with others and them enjoying it too. Nerf Herder, thank you for the wonderful feedback and compliment. It came when I was actually having a pretty hard day, and it really lifted me up. I hope you continue to enjoy this podcast, and again, thank you. As we relive the memories of Volgard, we plunge into the nightmare it became. Rodriguez, Miguel, and Yulim's platoon is tasked with clearing the research center. After coming across the mass grave, the platoon pushed on to clear the objective. Miguel stumbles upon horrific documents. The team eavesdrops on a mysterious door. Yulium looked up at Miguel, horrified, and Miguel returned the same look. Shit, get down, we gotta go. Everyone, stay quiet. As soon as Yulium had uttered the word quiet, Miguel had slipped on the oily ledge of the barrel and toppled to the ground. The barrel swayed back and forth, as if to make up its mind on falling or remaining where it had been. Unfortunately for the group, it decided change was necessary and fell with a great crash, spilling its black liquid all over the ground. Had Miguel not rolled out of the way, he would have been wearing that barrel permanently. Instead, now he wore the black foul-smelling oil all over his clothes, causing him to gag and cough. Then the whole building fell silent. No voices, no roars. Almost as if everything and everyone held their breath in hopes that the ones on the other side of the door had not heard. Even Miguel's coughing and gagging seemed quieter. A small few seconds passed that felt more like hours. Almost as if someone had thrown a switch, yelling, footsteps, and roars were heard on the other side. Loud and angry, they began to get closer and less muffled. Get up, Miguel. Ling, Rodriguez, help me move a few barrels in front of the door. 
Yulian sprung into action, but in doing so, he almost slipped on the black floor and had to regain his footing. He caught his balance barely by grabbing the hold of the edge of the barrel and then began to drag it. Miguel, on the other hand, was having a rough time trying to push himself out of the goop, and his body was more concerned with gagging and coughing violently. Until Rodriguez pulled him up by his collar, the men ran down the long concrete hall. Boots echoed off walls as the black footprints now joined the stain upon the floor. Behind them, yelling and banging on the door as whoever was trying to get in was fighting the weight of the barrels to open the door. As they entered into the laboratory, the sound of crashing metal echoed as the door finally gave way and opened. Everyone, find some cover and train your barrels on that hallway. Yulium hurtled over a desk, then pushed it to its side for cover. He hoped the wood was thick enough to stop a bullet from penetrating through. The rest of the group followed Yulium's example and spilled the contents of the desks onto the ground. As they toppled sideways, glass beakers broke and paper flew into the air. Then the room went dark as the blue light stopped their hypnotic coming and went completely black. Shit, I can't see a thing, Ling began to fumble for his lantern. A roar from down the hall froze each man where they stood. Its vibrations reverberated a bit before all was still and silent. Each man could almost hear the thumping of their hearts and the calm quiet. A heavy Russian accent called down the hall. Gentlemen, you have stumbled right into hell. Unhuman voice chuckled. I commend you on sneaking in and almost spoiling my surprise for the rest of your unit. I had known you were in the building, but I am ashamed to admit I thought we had more time before you got to the holding chambers. The voice then said something in Russian, not to our group, but to whoever it was with. He just, he just told someone to release something, Miguel said just loud enough for us to hear. He tried to hide the shaking and uneasiness of his voice. Release what? Rodriguez asked. I don't know. He used a word I'd never heard of. Well, enough with the pleasantries. The Russian was back to calling out to the group. You gentlemen will be part of history. The first to encounter the Jonah. Too bad history will not have your names. Shame, really. Such historic moment. The moment the Bolsheviks turn the tide of war. Victor, take your team and the Jonah and handle this. Apparently Victor understood and called out to the others in Russian. Loud, heavy footsteps and the rattling of chains came down the hall. The same roar from earlier erupted, but the sound was even louder as the beast, or the Jonah as they called it, approached. Then a tall figure emerged into the dark room. Ling's lantern pointed up at the huge figure. It was covered in torn gray flesh that had black oily wounds around the neck where a large metal collar with a heavy chain was fastened a little too tightly. The elongated jaw and mouth was completely devoid of skin, so all you could see was jagged teeth, bone, and a long black tongue wiggling about. The eyes were completely red and devoid of pupils, and covered in a milky film that gave a dull look to them. Its ears, large, pointed like two fleshy spades glued to the side of its head, and the rest of this body was less pretty than the head, 
Abnormally long arms hung to the ground that dragged bone claws as it moved. The legs were short and bulgy like two tree stumps. It took a deep snort of the air from a nose that was just two holes in its face that leaked the black oily substance. Then it threw back its head and roared. The sound made all in the room's ears ring and Ling dropped his lantern to the ground, crashing and spilling oil and flame. Through the light of the flames that now threatened to engulf the entire room, five human figures stood behind the monster, just beyond the doorway to the room. Four of them in Bolshevik uniforms with rifles held high, and the one in the middle wearing a dark hood. The hood covered the top half of its head, but the bottom half had pale, flaky, white skin. The hood figure held a black chain that acted as a leash to the monster, which glistened in the light like obsidian. Rodriguez let off the first shot that smacked straight into the monster's chest, where the heart was. The monster paid no attention, as if it was a mere fly that had just run into it. Ling let out a second shot at the monster with the same effect, continued to stand there as if it had no care in the world. Then the black hooded figure flipped his wrist, causing the chain to whip and clash upon the back of the foul creature. Instantly, the monster roared, then charged at the group. Yuliam squeezed off a shot at the head, but the bullet broke the gray rotting flesh, but bounced off the skull. Without notice, it continued its path, jumping over the flames of the broken lantern and knocking back Ling in one swift but clunky motion. It swung its arms violently in a blind fury, reaching out in direction of the prone Ling, who was beginning to unload his rifle on the creature. Each bullet striking its target with a meaty crack, but still the beast cared not. The click of the rifle then reported to Ling he was out of shot. He began scrambling, trying to get off the ground, trying to get on his feet and run. However, the creature's claws found Ling and scooped him up with little effort. Ling let out a groan as the claws tightened around his body. It brought him close to his face, only mere inches away, and sniffed Ling, inhaling Ling's smell and exhaling black ooze that speckled his face. Ling's mouth was locked in a scream, yet only gasp could come out. His eyes leaked tears and darted around the room looking for some kind of hope. The rest of the men forgot where they were fighting and were frozen horror as the beast opened his elongated jaw wide and then clamped down on the neck of its prey. No sound was emitted from Ling's mouth, just a soft gurgling from his throat as his body went limp. Then the beast pulled with all of his might it could muster from its neck and tore the head and throat from Ling's body. The beast chewed, a sick laugh erupted from the doorway. Without care of interrupting the cruel joke someone was enjoying, a volley of shots erupted from behind the door, each one missing but successfully snapping the three remaining horror-struck soldiers from their shocking states. Rodriguez fired three shots into the door as he yelled, We gotta get out of here! Miguel, go first! Back the way we came. Rodriguez and I will cover you. Yuliam's rifle bucked in his hands as he remembered to fire it finally. Miguel lowered his gun and made a dash for the door. Two shots whizzed behind his back, and the third one went wide left as he crossed the threshold of the hall they had entered from before. Go, Rodriguez. You first, Rev. Rodriguez, that's an order. Rodriguez swore, then let out two more shots off before dropping the barrel down to the ground and sprinting for the door. All the while, the beast could care less as it ate and chewed its food happily, ripping more chunks off the now deceased Ling. Not long after, Yuliam came behind them and ran down the hall as fast as humanly possible. Yells in Russian and shots were fired behind them. Yet, 
The thing that pushed them to run their fastest was the booming steps that began to get closer behind them. They slid into the reception area, and all three pushed the heavy metal door shut, then cranked the handle down just in time for the beast to crash into it. The door and the walls shook as if threatening to buckle under the force of impact, yet they somehow held. What the hell was that thing? Rodriguez asked out loud to the other two. Miguel fought to catch his breath. I think that's what those documents were talking about. Yulium headed to the door. Regardless of what it is, that door is only going to hold for so long. Once those men get up here and open that door, we'll be like... Like... Like Ling. Rodriguez reached over to his friend and placed his hand on his shoulder. It's not your fault, Rev, and we can mourn later. But right now, you got to keep your head in the game. Rodriguez then opened the door, and into the night they went, not knowing that hell also waited outside for them. The night had changed drastically outside. The smell of black powder and blood perfumed the air. Bodies of the team whose job was to guard the courtyard were ripped and strung about as evidence that there was more than one beast and this team was no more effective in fighting it. Upon the hill, smoke and lightning erupted sporadically as the rest of the men who were on the hill were engaged with the Bolsheviks, whose number was too many to count. What do we do now? Miguel shouted over the sounds of gunfighter. Just as he had finished the words, the door behind him burst open, and there it stood, sniffing the air like a hound in the thrill of the hunt. Yulian fired shots as he yelled, Get into the woods, now! The three men then burst out into a sudden sprint. Fear and adrenaline pushed their legs even though every muscle fiber screamed fatigue. Within seconds, the beast was running clunkily like a mishappened boulder rolling down a mountain, arms swinging clumsily through the air. The only saving grace was the fact that every so often, it would stop and sniff the air. Otherwise, the team would have stood no chance of escape. Right as the men broke into the tree line and headed up the hill, the creature was on their heels. Then a crack and a thud split the air as it, the beast collided with a tall oak tree. The three pushed hard up the hill, trying to create as much needed distance from the gruesome fate. Once on top, each of them doubled over, gasping for breath. Yulian fell to all fours and retched. Rev, you alright? Rodriguez ran over to his friend, but stopped short once he saw the back of Yulian's neck. Blotchy red patches painted the back of his neck. Rev, you're sick. Yulian struggled to get back up on two feet. No, I'm fine. I just ran too hard. That's all. Rodriguez went from concern to frustration. How long have you had the symptoms? It's just a heat rash. I'm fine. Why didn't you go back with the others? It's a heat rash. Yulian threw up his arms. Look at me. I'm fine. Uh, guys, we got to get moving. Miguel stepped in the middle of the two and pointed down the hill. At the bottom of the hill, the beast was rejoined by chain to the dark-hooded figure who yelled something in Russian to the other four men carrying rifles with him. He pointed up the hill and set off in the direction of the three. The beast walked and sniffed in the air, then carved the same path as they had taken up. What do we do now? Miguel looked at Yulian. We have to get back to the unit and warn them. I'm sure they know from all the sound that there's a fight going on, but they don't know about that. Yulian pointed in the direction of the beast. What about the rest of the platoon? Miguel pointed in the direction of the firefight. We can't lead that beast up there to him. Rodriguez reloaded a fresh spindle into his rifle. How are we going to outrun that thing? If we get into an open field 
and that creep-ass monk lets go of that chain, we are done. If only we could throw off its scent. Somehow, it's blind as hell, but it seems to hear and smell the trap. Miguel copied his brother and reloaded as well. Yulian followed the other two's example, then looked up with a disgust look on his face. I think I've got a plan, but it's not going to be fun. Nothing about this is fun, Rodriguez complained. The sound was slightly less droning than earlier, as the flies seemed to be less active than they were in the day. You'd still want to keep your mouth closed rather than risking inhaling a passerby. However, the smell was very much in the air, so much so it felt suffocating and heavy. Every breath through the nose forced one to suppress their gag reflex as best as they could. It had not taken long for the three to hustle their way back to the pile. With the dread of death behind them, each man pushed as hard as he could to keep their ever-closing gap as big as possible. The plan was simple. They would bury themselves into the large tangle of dead flesh that they had come across earlier that day. Hopefully the smell and the sound of flies would be enough to mask their presence. Rodriguez would be the last to bury himself, as he would run up the trail and then run back in an effort to lead them on a goose chase. The execution, though, was much more difficult as a new feeling of dread stood before them in the mass grave. Even in the dim moonlight, the faces stared hopelessly into the open air with cloudy, dull eyes. The lack of light made the gaunt features of the dead even more gaunt and disfigured looking before. Rodriguez, get going. We'll make a hole for you to hide in. Yulian clawed his way up the hill of the dead. Come on, Miguel. These bodies won't move themselves, or at least not anymore. Miguel placed a foot on a decaying arm and placed a little weight on it. The flesh was stiff under his boot. This is so messed up. Why do we have to go to the top of the pile again? The more bodies between us and that thing, the better. Come on, grab this one's legs. Miguel's face soured as he placed two gloved hands on the cadaver's legs. They then heaved the heavy body over. Don't, don't you think this is... Ugh. This is disrespectful? No, these people are gone. I doubt they care anymore, and they're in a different place. If they did, though, I'm pretty sure they would be more than happy to have some way to stick it one last time to the Bolsheviks. Miguel shoved the body over. Uh, <clears throat> I guess that's one way to look at it. All right, get in. Yulian pointed down into the fresh hole. Arms, legs, and faces lined the walls of the small area just large enough for one person to stuff themselves in. One face in particular, an old man's face, stared up from the hole at the two men. His mouth slightly parted and his eyes almost seemed sleepy. It gave both of them an uneasiness to have to place one's feet upon the face. You sure? Maybe you should go first. You don't look so good. You're, you're drenched in sweat. It's just a little fever. I'm fine. Now get in. After placing two corpses over the entrance of the hole, Yulian got into his. Not long after, a winded Rodriguez made his way into his, and not a moment too soon, as the sound of heavy footprints and the rattling of chains could be heard up the hill. The beast walked up to the pile and sniffed. If it looked confused, it would have been impossible to tell, as its face seemed stuck in a haunting expression. After a minute or two, the dark-hooded figure yelled something in Russian and yanked on the black heavy chain. 
The beast just stood at the edge of the pile for a few moments longer, then turned and followed the path Rodriguez had ran. The men waited a full five minutes after the sound of the beast had vanished before Rodriguez pushed aside his grave company. Miguel did the same with a few grunts and groans than Rodriguez had done. Rev, you coming out? It's been long enough. Rev? Rodriguez climbed his way over to the exposed limbs and began digging for his friend. Rodriguez had almost mistaken the man for the dead and would have yanked him out of the way if he had not moved his head. In fact, Rodriguez about jumped out of his skin when Yulian moved. He then, more gently, lifted up Yulian and out of his hole. Rev, brother, you do not look good at all. The rash had now climbed from Yulian's neck onto the side of his cheek. Beads of sweat ran down his pale face and dark circles lined his eyes. I'm... I'll be fine. I just need a drink of water. Yulian pulled out his canteen and chugged. Miguel! Help me get him down, and let's get the hell back to the unit, quick. The travel back through the woods was harsh as the men avoided the road in hopes to not run into any Bolsheviks, or worse, the beasts. The only stroke of luck was the full moon was out and gave just enough light to navigate through the thick woods. As they crest the final hill just before they would set foot into the town, they heard it. The sounds of crackling gunfire littered the air. A haze of gun smoke covered the roads and houses of Bolgard. Fires speckled through the town, and the thud of mortar impacts could be felt in one's chest as the men entered into the town. No one said a word except Yulian, who whispered, It's too late, and it's my fault. Yet Rodriguez and Miguel heard nothing but the war that raged on in the distance. Halt! Who goes there? A tall, shadowy figure yelled from a makeshift barricade. It was mostly old, horse-drawn carts and heavy doors. Here, Miguel, hold up Yulium. Rodriguez lifted the rash-covered arm of Yulium off his neck. The last two miles had been Rodriguez and Miguel switching back and forth to help Yulium walk. It's what's left of 3rd platoon. Yulium, Rodriguez, and Miguel. Rodriguez shouldered his rifle onto his back and slowly lifted his hands. Well, other than the sick we sent back. The figure shined a bright light in the direction of the three, then called out to someone in the right of him. Let him in. The shadowy man was tall and well-built. He had short, pepper-colored hair and stubble to match. His face showed age, but in a way that was almost handsome and dignified. The only thing out of place on him was a scar left on his left cheek and a small, soft, gentle smile. Captain Strugak? What are you doing pulling security? Miguel still held a very pale Yulium on his shoulder. Miguel! You're alive! And who is that on your shoulder? The captain's face showed surprise mixed with concern. This is Sergeant Yulium, and that over there is my brother Corporal Rodriguez. Sergeant Yulium looks to have caught whatever's going around and in a very bad way. Here, set him down here. The chaplain pointed to an old wooden crate that read UPC Army. Sergeant Fletcher, go see if you can get us one of the medics to come look at him ASAP. Yes, sir. A short blonde woman quickly turned from stacking crates next to a cart and ran down the road. Did anyone else from 3rd platoon make it back? Rodriguez's face was eager, but melted to sorrow when he saw the chaplain's face. 
Rodriguez swore under his breath, and his eyes seemed to water as he looked away. Sir, why are you pulling security? You're a chaplain. Shouldn't you be doing, I don't know, chaplain stuff? Miguel said abruptly, trying to take the eyes off of his brother. The chaplain gave a soft sigh. I won't lie to you, boys. The main force of the unit has been hit hard, and not just by the Bolsheviks, but by some sort of creature they sicked on us. The only saving grace we have right now is the fact that they've lost control of these beasts, and they are now fighting them as well. Bolts and bombs don't do much to them, and if something doesn't change soon, we'll be retreating. Right now, we are preparing the sick and the injured first, while the main unit holds back the best they can. My small team here is charged with guarding this road. He pointed to the road on his right. We weren't here quick enough and it's it's my fault, Yulian croaked. It had been the first time he had really talked since leaving the death pit and whispering on the hill. What does he mean? The chaplain asked. Miguel looked at the ground as his face looked grim. He dug his toe in the dirt. We were ambushed and separated from our platoon. We tried to race back here to warn everybody about the beasts, but we were hunted by one and we had to... Help! Something is chasing me! A blood-curdling scream came from the woods that the group had just left moments ago. A long, lengthy man who still had a boy face emerged from the trees, running as best as he could, but it was more of a limp than a run. A large cut ran across his forehead that caused blood to flow into his eyes. With every third step, he dragged his drenched sleeve across his face in an effort to see. Rodriguez raised over to the makeshift barricade and peered over. It's our platoon leader. Let him in. Then, a sound that was so horribly familiar called from the blackness of the tree line. Upon its sound, black birds or bats scattered into the moonlight sky. The tops of trees swayed side to side as the thunderous booms of its footsteps drew closer and closer. The horrific milky red eyes and grotesque elongated face broke from the trees and into the moonlight. It stopped, and if it could see, it seemed to look at the edge of town. More than likely, it was just sniffing the air. To the walls! Do not fire until my command, and for heaven's sakes, do not hit that damn lieutenant! The chaplain called out and dug out a revolver from his leg holster. Sir, let me run out there. I can get him, Rodriguez yelled. No, it's too dangerous. Stay here and put that marksman's ship to use. Rodriguez gave the chaplain a look of defiance and he made his way over to the makeshift gate. Corporal, that's an order now! The thud of thunder filled the air as the beast took up a dead sprint in the direction of the limping LT. The man let out a whimper as he pushed harder to the barricade. Rodriguez bolted over the cart that served as a gate and began sprinting out to the LT. Miguel! No! The chaplain called out, but Miguel had jumped the cart, hit the ground with a thump, then pushed himself up from the ground and sprinted harder after his brother. Men, take aim at that beast. If you have a shot, take it, but only if you can hit it. Don't hit our men. The chaplain and all on the wall raised their weapons. Rodriguez trailed by his brother Miguel sprinted hard but the beast was faster and beat the two men to the LT by just a hair. In shock and horror the two men froze as they watched the creature grab the LT only 30 yards away from where they stood. It pulled and ripped the arms off the now screaming man and popped the flesh into its mouth and chewed. 
Then the screaming man's sound grew softer and softer until his face went blank and pale and his eyes stared dead to the world. The beast popped the head of the man into its mouth and bit hard with a crunch. Gunfire erupted from the trees which snapped the two out of shock and back into the reality as enemy bullets whizzed over their heads. The realization that the beast was not alone but its handlers had followed it and they were now shooting at them. They both churned and ran as hard as they could back to the safety of the barricade. But unfortunately, the thundering of footsteps started not long after Rodriguez and Miguel had turned to run. Rodriguez's mind raced. He knew it was a mistake to be out here, and worse yet, his brother had followed him. Now if they didn't catch a bullet in the back of the head, the monster would easily catch them and devour them like he did the LT. If they can just get there and hop over the cart, Maybe they stand a chance. Maybe his brother at least stands a chance. They were right there. So close, Rodriguez had already started bending his knees for the jump when he felt the impact of a hand swipe wildly at him. He flew and toppled to the ground and rolled. Stars flashed in his eyes as he felt his head smack against the rock and the warm fluid run down. He had to get up. He had to fight. He had to find his brother. He forced his eyes open, and the moment he did, he wished he had not. He wished it had been just a bad dream. And maybe all of this just was. Maybe he was about to wake up at home, and all of this had just been some strange dream. But it wasn't. It wasn't a dream. The beast clutched his brother in his right hand and lifted it up to his nose. Gunfire erupted from the barricade as everyone was desperately trying to kill this thing, or at least make it drop Miguel. The beast paid no attention to the bullet's impact on its body. All it was focused on was its next meal in its hands. Rodriguez's mind screamed that he had to get up. He had to do something, but his body refused to move. All he could do is stare at his brother and watch him die again. He tried to control his breathing but he knew the panic attack would not stop, at least not for a while. His head felt light and dizzy, like so many times before. Familiar thoughts came to his mind. Thoughts like, how pathetic. You coward, get up and do something. He placed his hand on the ground to steady himself. But instead of the cold ground, he felt cold iron. A makeshift spear laid before him, and a man with red hair. Rodriguez's thoughts turned from self-loathing to confusion. What was Finnegan doing in Volgard? He was not in the Battle of Volgard. Then a cry of fury as Rodriguez heard someone yelling and running. He knew it was the chaplain, running with his lantern about to set the beast on fire. Rodriguez had lived this day so many times over and over again. It was usually in his nightmares. Sometimes when the sound or smell triggered the memory, he would have flashbacks in the middle of the day. He looked up at the captain, and he wanted to yell at him. It's too late for my brother. He's already dead. But it wasn't the chaplain. It was it was Lilith. What is she doing here, Rodriguez thought. She's not even a soldier. Then Rodriguez peered up where his brother's soon-to-be lifeless body was. But it wasn't him. It was Uyam. And none of this was making sense. Then... It all made sense to Rodriguez, and he knew what he had to do. He needed a miracle, and hopefully the god Yulian prayed to would provide one.
This has been A Better Utopia. Chapter 10, Part 2, The Nightmare of Bolgard. Written and produced by Counterculture Rebellion. And now, Chapter 10, Part 3, Leaving Bolgard Behind. Previously, on chapter 9. I heard the cries of my friends as the beast swatted at them. Jacob was stabbing at the monster, covering Rodriguez as he ran past the monster and checked Finnegan for a pulse. I saw relief flood Finnegan's face as he pressed his fingers on the now unconscious man's neck. Then my eyes darted to Jacob, who was now clutched tightly by the bone claw hand and lifted off the ground by his foot. I heard Jacob scream and saw blood now flowing from the clutched ankle down onto the ground by a lost iron spear. I pushed my body forward, even though all of my nerve endings screamed at me, and I rolled under a swing fist of the monster and placed my hands on the cold iron and thrusted it into the monster now exposed chest. Instantly, the beast shuddered as I drove the spear into it deeper and deeper still. It let go of Jacob, who fell to the ground in a crumble. I could hear a woman yelling, shouting some kind of command, and I looked over my shoulder and saw Hannah dragging a limp Jacob away. Shifting my focus caused me not to see the claws swipe at me and strike my side, causing warm blood to run down my ribs and me spinning to the ground. Then the beast used his Jacobus claws to reach the exposed and defenseless Hannah. It swiped down with all of its might and let out a fearsome roar. It would have been the end of Hannah. It should have caused her to be nothing recognizable, but a blur followed in the front of Hannah and caught the giant hand. Go, sister, drop him! and leave. Victoria's complexion looked sick and strained, not just from holding back her brother, but from whatever disease the iron bullet stuck in her was causing. I won't leave him. Hannah called back, still pulling Jacob away from the mess. Victoria looked up at her brother and groaned. No, brother. We do not hurt our family. It roared back. No family. Blood. Listen to me. Go back to the woods now. No blood. Then his other fish crashed into Victoria's side and sent her flying away like a rag doll. It lunged at Hannah, but its foot was stuck to the ground. Giving up, it turned and looked hungering at me. Then its claws wrapped around my bleeding body and lifted me up. I tried to think, but my head was fuzzy and slow from the loss of blood. The only thought that broke in its way to the surface of the mind was... This is it. I'm dead. Then I looked over and saw Rodriguez still kneeling by Finnegan's unconscious body. His face was blank and white. His eyes stared into the vast nothing a thousand yards away. His mind was not here, but back in Volgard. Hey guys, quick ad break. I know, ads are annoying, but... Please go check out the Conservative Nerd Podcast. I got the wonderful pleasure again of guest hosting, and it's an amazing podcast that keeps you up to date with all things going on in the world and the nerd culture. So go give it a listen. Thanks.
The pain in my chest was intense as the beast squeezed tighter and tighter. It was beginning to get difficult to breathe and much less think of the way out of the hands of death. My eyes were still on Rodriguez and I refused to look at the creature holding me. Not out of fear, but in my own way, hoping to catch Rodriguez's eyes. He had never failed me, especially when my life was on the line. I kept yelling in my head because I couldn't talk out loud. Look at me. Look at me. This isn't Volgard. Volgard wasn't, wasn't your fault, man. Your brother's death wasn't your fault. Now snap out of it. Then a scream broke my stare. A woman's scream. But not out of fear, but fury. Like the sound of an Amazon warrior would shout before entering battle. My eyes shifted and my head turned just barely enough to see. At first I thought my eyes were deceived. But there was Lilith running in like a mad woman with an oil lamp in one hand. Where did she come from? Wasn't she supposed to be with the rest of the group at the pole station? And they were not due back for another day. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw Rodriguez move. He grabbed his spear and stood up and threw it in my direction. And for a moment, my mind was filled with confusion and panic. Was he trying to put me out of my misery? Had he lost his mind? The spear connected into the wrist of the giant hand that held me. The point sunk into the rotted gray flesh and black ooze began to leak out as if a water faucet was turned on. I could breathe again. But when I realized it, it was about the same time my body collided with the ground. The monster had let go of me and dropped me to the very cold, hard ground. My newly gained breath filled my body and my vision went dark for a bit. The world around me became a fog or dreamlike. Everything sounded so hollow and distant. The darkness seemed to dance around me like I was being tossed at sea. But warm waves of it, it was odd. In the distance, I could hear echoes, but the words were hard to understand. It called over and over again, and then I felt heat hit my face and cracked my eyes open to see the source. A roar pierced the air as my vision revealed a blurry beast going up in flames. Yulim! Yulim! Are you okay? A Boston accent called out to me. Then I felt the tug of the cloth on my back and the ground slipping and sliding underneath. My vision cleared. I saw R Lilith running from the flame monster as Douglas threw another oil lantern at the creature. I lifted my eyes high as I could go. Rodriguez's face looked contorted. His nose was a bit off center and bleeding badly. Are you okay, brother? Rodriguez's eyes met me. Yeah, yeah, oh, my head. Yeah, what, what's going on? My voice cracked. The rest of us are here and they are pelting it with fire. His eyes darted up and a soft smile filled with relief formed on his dirty, bloody face. It's not moving. <laughs> it's not moving. What's not moving? My eyes followed and my heart leapt with joy. The creature, known as Felix, or the beast, was folded up on itself in a burning pile of iron rods and rotted flesh. The corpse somehow seemed more lifeless than it did when it gripped me. I exhaled a long breath. <sighs> it's over. Yeah. We can finally put this behind us, brother.
That night, I was dragged in by Rodriguez into a large canvas tent that still had a hint of perfume in it. Ruby had set up the girls' tent and turned it into a makeshift hospital outside of town. I laid on a cot next to a now-awake Finnegan who was propped up. At the foot of his cot sat Rodriguez. Nose still broke, but the blood now dry on his face. Ruby looked over her handiwork and handed Rebecca several gauze. Here, wrap up his ribs and forearm. I'm going to go check on your brother again. Will he be okay? Rebecca's blue eyes lifted up from me to Ruby. Ruby sighed. He's stable and resting. Unfortunately, a claw went through his calf muscle and it's bandaged up and the bleeding stopped, but I'm afraid of infection. We need to get him to a doctor as soon as possible and have him looked at. Hey doc, can you uh, straighten out my nose real quick? Rodriguez grunted. Ruby turned an item. You would think of as many times as you've been punched in the face. You could do that by yourself. Yeah, but then I would not get a chance to have the delicate hands of yours touch me. Rodriguez gave her a sly smile through the pain. Ruby rolled her eyes. On three. One. And a loud pop rang out. Son of a... You said on three. Ruby's mouth curled up. Oops, guess my hands are not as delicate as you thought. She turned and walked out the tent to the inn where Jacob was. Rodriguez's eyes water and he swore, Come on, Finn, let's get you something to eat from the inn. Ugh, and I'm going to need a stiff drink. Rev, uh, catch up with us when you're done here. Rodriguez and Finnegan got up from the cot and left the tent. So, I'll start with your arms. Rebecca sat down on my cot and placed one of her slender hands under my arm and lifted up. My heart fluttered, and if it beat any harder, it would probably pop all my stitches out. She gave me a small smile. I sat there for a bit, just watching her wrap my arm in sweet bliss. It was very brave of you guys to come back to town and try to save them. Also stupid, she chuckled. But brave. You guys could have just left and let Hannah deal with it. Wait, how did you know that? Hannah and... Victoria brought Jacob to me and Ruby after the beast was dealt with. Then they left before any of the townspeople knew. Well, Victoria won't get far with that bullet still in her. I, uh, I, I pulled the bullet out. Wait, why? I sat up from the cot. Hannah's trying to save her sister. Victoria would have died if that bullet had stayed in. Hannah basically begged me and Ruby. And I know it was foolish, but Hannah truly believes she can save her from whatever it is she has. Not to mention, my brother would have been dead if not for them. And Victoria seems like... Like she has an inner struggle and wants to come back from what she has? Yes. It's okay. Even when Victoria was ripping me into shreds, I saw it too. I gave her a little smile and relaxed my body. She smiled and said, other arm, please. So why did you guys come back here? I thought you were not due back till at least tomorrow. That's what me and Jacob call Lilith. She was constantly reading her Bible and praying when we were young. Don't get me wrong, I'm a believer too. It's just, she would be such a Girl Scout about it. She never did anything wrong. Anyways, she was praying when all of a sudden she started telling me we had to go back. I said she was crazy and to just go back to bed and like always, she didn't listen. She went straight to Leslie. He wasn't having any of it until we saw the fire. 
Then, without a second thought, we were headed back here, ready for battle. He left a small group up there to keep doing the work. He may be a rough man, but somewhere in that big chest of his, he's got a pretty big heart. She finished wrapping my arms and looked at my chest. Now to take care of your ribs, she blushed. William, the way she said my name gave me goosebumps. I sat up so she could rap. Yes? I think that I'm developing, well, a bit of... It's just that I... I have feelings for you. She quickly looked down and started rapping. My heart stopped and my stomach leapt with joy. And then a buzzing began lightly in my ears. I know it's silly to feel this way with so much going on. She continued to blush even harder. I mean, we have one trauma after another and well, it's silly and I'm sorry I brought it up. No. She looked up and stared into my eyes. I almost lost my train of thought in that gaze. It's not silly. It, we're alive and we're, we're meant to live. Not just to survive, but really live. And I almost died, but I didn't. And I guess what I'm trying to say is, I'm going to live my life to the fullest, which means pursuing the feelings I have for you. I searched her eyes and took a deep breath. I mean, if that's okay with you, I will. She leaned into me. I could feel her hot breath against my face. Her lips were only seconds from touching mine, and her beautiful blue eyes closed as my heart beat violently in my chest. It was as if time and space had paused, and it was just us in this vast existence. We leave tomorrow, first light. We can rest when we pull a hundred miles between us and this cursed town. Leslie ripped open the tent flap, causing both Rebecca and myself to jump, and involuntarily preventing our lips from touching. Lincoln followed in after his brother. Everyone needs a rest. The team's at the... Lincoln looked at us. Oh, uh, sorry. Rebecca, we, we thought it was just Yulium in here. Uh, by himself. Now Lincoln was blushing. Oh, it's okay. I was just finishing up helping Yulium. She finished her rap. All finished. Um, I better go help Ruby with my brother. Yulium, we can talk more later. She smiled and winked then got up and quickly left the tent. Sorry, Yulium. We didn't know you were... having a moment. Lincoln sheepishly said. Leslie looked confused. What are you talking about? Are you really that blind? Or just never had the company of a woman? Everyone knows those two have a thing for each other. What do you mean by everyone? Now I could feel my face start to blush. I'll have you know, I enjoyed plenty of women's company before. Leslie was turning his usual red color, not blushing. I'm not talking about the ones you have to pay for. An awkward silence fell over the tent. Leslie chuckled a bit, and his face lightened a shade. Then he cleared his throat. Anyways, how you holding up? Think you're up to leaving tomorrow morning? I began to open my mouth to speak, but Leslie interrupted again. I know you've had a hard few days. Hard is an understatement, brother, Lincoln said under his breath. Leslie side-eyed his brother. So, Jacob, Finnegan, and you will ride in the mess wagon with my wonderful charismatic brother here. What about Rodriguez? And Jacob needs to see a doctor. I finally got my words in before Leslie could cut me off. I already spoke to Mr. Rodriguez. He says he's fine to keep working. As for Jacob... You'll have to hold on a few days. The nearest city is Philadelphia, and it's swarming with utopians. So, we'll push hard to Charlottesville. 
It's a bit of a detour, but it'll be worth it if we can get him to a doctor. I looked away and swallowed a lump in my throat. What about Martin? Leslie stopped for a moment. His demeanor softened. In fact, he actually looked approachable. The best we can do is send a letter to his next of kin. The town will place him here in their cemetery. A few of the men here, well, they served in the first great wall, so they'll give him the best proper send-off they can. He adjusted his eye patch. It's the best we can do. Thanks. Another quiet moment passed. You could hear the crickets outside singing their song. Whatever happened to Agent Miller? Leslie looked up from the patch of the floor he had been staring at. I took a deep breath. Are you sure you want to know? Leslie looked at me as if to read me. Nah. Although it sucks, it looks like we won't be reimbursed or paid or whatnot. With him dead and the mayor missing, no one's left here to give us our due. The mayor's missing? Yeah, that son of a bitch probably took off when things got too dangerous for him. With the town knowing his dirty secrets, he's probably halfway across the state with whatever valuables he had left after that fire. Is the town going to do anything about it? Probably right the marshal, but with everything going on in the country, probably won't be addressed till years from now. Well, Leslie got up from the place he had been sitting. Douglas is waiting for me. We're going to ride up to the polling station and help the ones up there finish up. I'll see you in the morning. He turned and left the tent. Well, you should probably get something warm in your belly. I'm going to see what kind of L the inn has on hand, Lincoln smiled. Care to join me? It's free, the town's way of saying thank you. Yeah, I could use a hot meal. I stood up and attempted to throw my shirt over my head, but almost lost my balance. Hold on there. I'll Let me help you with that. Looks like you still got a little lightheaded. Lincoln grabbed a hold of me and kept me steady. Sure you okay to walk? I bet I could talk Rebecca into giving you some food out here. He gave me a wink. No, it's okay. She's taking care of her brother anyways. Besides, I could use the walk. Well, let's hope the worst is behind us. Lincoln opened the tent flat for me. I sure hope so. Then I entered into the dark night. This has been A Better Utopia, an audiobook podcast written and produced by Counterculture Rebellion, read by the author. So guys, before you turn off the podcast or pause or move on to whatever else you're doing, I just wanted to say thank you all for listening. I very much intend to continue this podcast going. I just need a break to be able to write more content. And my goal is to record as many shows as I can and maybe produce more episodes the following season. That being said, I'll probably be ready around the end of August. However, please stay subscribed. I'll be dropping trailers for the new episodes. Um, Try to give you guys a little taste every so often. Kind of like this, what I have coming up for you. This is part of chapter 11. And kind of like how the Marvel movies always have the little end credit scene. Well, here's my end credit scene. Balaam drummed his fingers on the wooden desk. He wore a bored look on his face, but deep inside, he was quite excited. Not to be in the phony temple that the purple robes insisted on having their meetings in. No, not the whole aspect of worshipping some dead god. 
That was silly. But the aspect to actually be sitting in a room with some of the highest ranking members of the Utopians? That is what piqued his interest. In fact, he was pretty sure he was the only black silk robe to do so. A librarian gave him an annoyed look. The tapping with his fingers was probably too loud, but not enough that she would scold him. Dumb toad, Balaam thought. If she only knew who he was and how he was saving her, she would be groveling on the ground thanking him for his service to mankind, or he'd bash her head in with his boot. Yet, it wasn't her fault. He wasn't wearing his robes. He was still not permitted to wear them unless he was told to do so. Too much risk, they say. Too much attention, and the plan could unravel. Was not enough held by the Utopians yet? Balaam slammed his palm on the desk, which carried well since it was only him, and the toad of the librarian in here, this late at night. She gave him a look, and put her fingers to her lips in a gesture of, Please shut up. Balaam put on his sweetest smile as if to say, Sorry, just got caught up in reading this book I'm totally reading. It was hard not to let his frustration out. They had taken New York, Baltimore, Philadelphia, and now Boston. Why couldn't they show their true colors yet? Had they not earned that respect? Had he not earned that respect? Hell, he had been the key in the ground movement to taking Boston. If it wasn't for him, that idiot mayor, or what's his name, or whatever, he'd still be in charge. He took a deep breath in. Soon enough, soon enough, everyone would know his name. Know that he was the hero of the people. That he was important. And that his name would be in the history books. He would be important. And he would have purpose. Well, my friend, what brings you here? A man's voice said from behind. 